Welcome to the Victory Family Worship Center podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at thevictory.tv at gmail.com. I mean, you know, all of us, we make choices every single day. Every day we're forced to make choices. And some of these decisions, some of these choices are important especially leading into these days of the national election and everything that's going on. But specifically, we're going to be talking about today, good versus evil. How many of you ready for that? We'll see in a minute. Um, We're going to be talking about heaven versus hell. And we're going to talk about repentance. And um, I spent a lot of time this week thinking about salvation and repentance. And and I'm going to say some things right quick just before we get started uh, about, we had some people raise their hands for salvation last week, four or five, raise their hands. That's awesome. We love it. We love, I love people when, when they make a decision to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It gets me to thinking every time. And, and I feel like it's important to talk about this. Uh, and we're going to talk about more and more in the next weeks coming up. But I, I need you to understand something today as we move forward, especially in this series, that Without repentance, there is no true relationship with Jesus Christ. I know that's hard for some of you to swallow, uh, um, but there is no salvation with Jesus Christ without repentance. Repentance is a change of heart, and you need to understand that. You need to understand it. There's no such thing as an easy street gospel where we just pray and we believe in Jesus and, you know, and we ask him to come into our hearts and, and we, we thank you, and, but there's no repentance. The Bible is very clear on repentance. And, and when you don't have repentance, you don't have salvation. That's why, unfortunately, we have thousands and thousands of people in churches across America every single weekend. They say they're Christians and they believe in Jesus, but their lifestyles that they carry on outside the church indicates otherwise. And, and there's no change of heart and there's no repentance from the sin in their life. Acts chapter 20 Luke writes this letter, and we believe Luke writes this letter. That's what all the scholars believe, and it's Paul's writings, and he actually says this. Uh, um, He said, I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear publicly or in your homes. In other words, I'm not going to back down from telling you what you need to hear publicly or in your homes. He said, I have one message for the Jews and the Greeks alike, the necessity for repenting from sin and turning to God. So repenting is very important, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God. Now, you know, people come to, we had people get saved this morning in the nine o'clock service. We've already baptized a few. And and so listen, when you come into a knowledge and you come into salvation and and get baptized, we don't, as a church, we don't want to leave you there. I don't want to leave you there because inevitably, if you don't understand what's past salvation And what you need to hear and what you need to do after salvation, it won't be long until the enemy will come back right into your life and pull you right back into the old way of life again and get you right back into the destructive patterns in your life again. And so if you've repented, let me explain repentance to you. Um, Let me me kind of define it so you understand what it means. Repentance, the definition is um, basically when you are awakened to God's truth inside of you and you're fully persuaded Everybody say fully persuaded. You're fully persuaded to the core of your very being that our philosophies and our behaviors is contrary to the creator in heaven's 
philosophies, you understand? In other words, what I think and what I believe is contrary to God's word. And, and so when we, we repent, we're changing that. We're saying now I believe in God's behaviors. I believe in God's patterns. I believe in, 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 I, there's a change in life. There's a scripture in Matthew chapter 7 as we get into this. Um, if you want to turn there, Matthew 7 verse 21. Um, I want you to follow along. I want you to read this. It's one of the hardest scriptures in the Bible. It's one of the hardest scriptures to get your head around. It's one of the hardest scriptures for me to swallow. When I read this scripture, this one scripture, this is what really keeps me plugged in. This is what keeps me going. This is what keeps me fighting the good fight. Here's what it says in verse 21. Not everyone who calls out to the Lord, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, let me say it differently. There's a lot of people saying, Lord, Lord, that are not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. That's a very rough, tough sentence right there. On judgment day, when many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name and we performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. So, so Jesus is laying this foundational truth for us that you can go to church, you can say church things, you can do church things, you can lift your hands in worship, and you can even say, Lord, Lord, and you can even say a prayer, and you can even receive, ask to receive Jesus in your life. Uh, but if you do not repent, and you do not keep God's laws, and you go outside of this church and you live your daily life against God's laws and against God's way of thinking, the Bible says when you start to break God's laws, when you start to live without God's laws in your life and his precepts and his principles, when you do not obey the laws of God, there is coming a time when you'll stand before the Lord and you'll give an account for your life. That's what the Bible teaches us. And all the times that you went to church and did good church things are not going to count if you live your way in, a, in such a way that continues to disobey God's statutes. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying here today? I, I, I know now a lot of us have been taught well. A lot of you have been taught well. We, you, you, you'll say, hey, Pastor, we don't live under the law. And I agree, we're not under the law of the Old Testament. But listen to me carefully. The Old Testament it, it, law, it, that's still good. Those laws are still good. Uh, if anything, uh, um, God just changed, changed and made them a heart matter. The Ten Commandments still are for today. How many would you believe in the commandment that says, thou shalt not lie? I mean, that's a good one, isn't it? You shouldn't lie. You should tell your, do you tell your kids you shouldn't lie? I mean, that's a good one. How about thou shalt not covet? Do you teach your kids not to covet, to want other people's things? an unhealthy desire for things. How about thou shalt not commit adultery? That's a good one, wouldn't you say? Everybody's kind of nod. Don't commit adultery. It's a good one. Uh, thou shalt not murder. I mean, that's a good one. Um, when you think about the Ten Commandments, they're actually not that hard. They're really not that hard at all. But a lot of people just disregard them because we're under the covenant of grace. And the covenant of grace says we don't obey the laws of the past anymore. 
Grace will take care of me. Grace will take care of me. But basically, the covenant of grace was given to us so that we could obey the laws. You understand what I'm saying? We we strive to obey the laws, but the grace helps us to obey those laws. Um, You know, grace was given to us so that we could live within the framework of what God created us to live in. So let me show you the scripture where Luke records some words from Paul. Acts chapter 20. This will help you better understand what I'm trying to say to you. Acts chapter 20, verse 26. Um, This is Paul speaking, and he says this, I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, listen to what Paul says, it's not my fault. (laughs) If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. He said, for I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So moving forward from right now, today, I want you to understand something. And I'm I'm not going to hold any punches. I want you to understand. I'm going to declare some things today, and I'm going to say some things today that God wants you to know. Everybody say amen. Amen. But I'm going to say some things that God wants you to know that you may not like. Some of you may not want to hear what I got to say today. You may not like what I want to hear because they may come in contrast with the way you're believing and with the way you're living. And and, and what you hear may come in contrast with the way your lifestyle right now. So everybody that starts going down the road with Jesus Christ has to come to a conclusion at some point in their life. Am I going to go, am I going to please God or am I going to please people? When When I stand behind this pulpit, I I can't say things that people just want to hear so they'll feel good about themselves, okay? They feel good about themselves and they go to hell. I'm responsible for that. And and so, um, you know, this is like, this just goes right along with the heart of parenting. I mean, how many of you would agree that God is like a parent to us, so to speak? As an illustration, God does good things for us to keep us from trouble, He does things to keep us out of trouble. He gives us these principles and these laws and these boundaries to keep us from trouble. And sometimes God will say things that maybe we don't want to hear, but they're good for us. Just like your parents will say things uh, to you, uh, you know, or when you were growing up, they may not say anything to you anymore, but they would say things to you growing up and they would give you these these principles and you didn't want to hear them, but it was good for you. And so I've been praying all week, God, prepare the hearts of the people that are going to hear this today uh, because it's going to shake you a little bit. Are y'all ready to be shaken? Some of you are? Okay. Well, listen, um, we're going to talk about choices today, particularly the choices of good and evil. And and I want to have some fun. Just want to have some fun. Lighten it up a little bit for about five minutes, and then we're going to get deep into it. But how how many of y'all remember The Matrix? Remember the Matrix? Okay, I'm gonna. This is like an old video. It's like in 724 mat, and so um, I'm gonna show you this video clip just to have fun because uh, um, it's kind of the, the, the final line, and that is really what I'm gonna show you. But yeah, go ahead and roll that clip. Do you want to know what it is? The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world 
that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. today is the truth and nothing more okay we'll just have a little fun with that I, how do you navigate this how do you navigate this? how do you navigate good and evil in the world as a believer in Jesus Christ how, how, how do we navigate this that's what I'm going to try to show you today and, and I'm going to give you three thoughts today that'll help you move in that direction so that you can navigate these rough waters. But these three points are good. They're, they're tough to swallow. So number one, you've got to understand if you're going to navigate and you're going to be able to choose between good and evil, you're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to understand that good is difficult and unpopular and evil is easy and popular. You got to understand that good is difficult and it's unpopular. Nobody wants to go that direction. And evil is easy and popular. It's easy street. We all find this out when we get into school, don't we? I mean, when you enter into middle school and high school, you'll find this out. We find out that evil's popular. Evil's fun. Evil's easy, right? If you didn't have any fun, you're not doing it right. <laughs> Um, it's fun. Sin just comes natural to us. We don't have, nobody has to show us, nobody has to teach us. And all of a sudden you're in school and you're, you're doing all these fun, easy things and you're being tempted and you're going this direction. And all of a sudden, maybe you go attend church and you come face to face with this reality that some of the things that you're not doing, some of the things that you're doing are not good. And so you've got, you're all, you're all of a sudden, you're like, uh, you, you didn't know, but you're doing it. It's fun. It's easy. Everybody's doing it. And all of a sudden, somebody tells you, hey, that's not right. So you come face to face with this reality. And then all of a sudden, you're questioning, but all my friends are doing it. All my friends are doing it. Uh, the, all my friends are acting a certain way. All my, all my friends are talking a certain way. They're dressing a certain way. They're living a certain way. And, and if we're, we're going to live for God, if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to be a Christian, not in just name only, if you're going to be a disciple, you're going to stand out. 
You're going to be, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. You're not going to be popular, in, especially in school. It's hard to navigate in high school, especially to be the person who's, you know, not popular because you're standing up for what's right and doing the things that's right. It's hard to be the person who's just the minority, to, that's just the few, that's standing for what's right. It's, you're not the many. That's hard to navigate. Middle school, high schoolers, that's hard. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And then that's why in middle school and high school, the enemy knows, Satan knows that that's your most vulnerable time in your life. And that's why he comes in when you're in middle school and high school and Satan really hones down to seize your heart. Because he wants, Satan wants to get hold of your heart before you graduate and before you turn 18. And this falls just as much on the parents as it does the kids, um, because it's you know it's not we don't we want our kids to have fun. We want them to be popular with the students. But when you tell them no, that's wrong. You're not going to do this. All of a sudden, they're not popular, and all of a sudden, you as a parent, you become unpopular. Parents learn real quick that there's only a few. You're the minority. And you're unpopular. How many of you remember when your parents told you no? Raise your hands. How many parents said, no, you're not doing that? No, you're not going that direction. All of a sudden, we didn't like them. We hated them. They're not popular. You know, your parents tell you, you got to be, be home at 10 o'clock when all your friends are staying out till midnight, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning and doing whatever they want. Or your parents say, you know what? You're not getting your driver's license until you meet these certain conditions. Or they say, you know what? We're not buying you a car just because you want one. You're going to have to get out and get a job. You're going to have to earn some money and you're going to have to do this and, and, and blah, blah, blah. And you're, you're like mom and dad, you don't like them. You hate them. You're, you're just like, uh, you know, they become very popular and your argument is, but my friends, all my friends are doing it. All my friends are doing this. All my friends, all my friends, all my friends and parents become very unpopular. And then, you know, I, I think about all the times my parents, my mother made, made decisions and she told me no. And, you know, I'm thankful for some of those. Th you know, I look back now and I was mad then, but I'm thankful that she said no. And that's the way God is with us. Sometimes God will talk to us about things that are good and evil. And we have to make a decision as followers of Jesus Christ. Are we going to go the easier and popular way? Or are we going to go the hard way? And that's what this message is going to be about today. And I'm going to say some things that are going to push you pretty hard. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. If you have your Bibles, follow along. The Bible says you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. I mean, that sentence right now is enough to sober you up, make you listen, and sit up straight in your, hair, your chair. You can only enter God's kingdom through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and the gate is wide and there are many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is narrow and the road is difficult and only a few will find it. So at some point in your journey with Jesus Christ, this happened to me and I know it's probably happened to many of you. There's a place, there's a time when you start to read the Bible and you begin to realize, hey, there's some things in the Bible that are not popular in the world. How many of you have discovered that? <laughs> and so when you read the Bible, here we go. Y'all ready for this? You're going to discover that the Bible speaks out against things like sexual freedom and homosexuality, sex outside the marriage. The Bible says 
these things aren't good. These are just examples that I'm going to give you. I'm talking about good versus evil and making choices. It's not popular to talk about these things. It's not popular because the whole world is bought into this, this lie that, hey, we can do whatever we want. We can, we, you just, I can make my own choices and you just have to tolerate my choices. And, and I talked about last week, the religion of tolerance. You know, if I want to be a girl, I'll be a girl. If I want to be a boy, I'll be a boy. If I want to be any gender I want to be, if I want to be gender fluid, I'll be gender fluid. If I want to go into the restroom, this restroom, I'll go into this restroom. If I want to go into this other restroom, I'll go into this other restroom. Uh, it doesn't matter if your kids are in there. If I want to have same-sex relationships, I'll have same-sex relationships. Uh, then that should be okay because I'm defining my own I'm making my own decisions, so you should just tolerate my decisions. That's the culture we live in. And if I want to have sex outside the marriage, that's my choice. That's my own sexual freedom. But then you read the Bible, you come to church, and you read the Bible, and you start discovering, and you're like, oh, my gosh. Sex outside the marriage between a man and a woman? Uh-oh, check this out. That's evil. That's bad. So let me ask you, church, how does that set with you? How does that set with you? If you're having sex outside the marriage, it probably does, that's probably hard to swallow right now. It's probably a little gut punch. If you're same-sex attracted, that probably doesn't set too good to you either. Well, pastor, I can't believe you're talking about these things. I can't just believe you're saying this kind of stuff in church, you know, and you're actually speaking those words in church. Well, where are we going to talk about it? Right? Come on, somebody. Where are we going to talk about this? Listen, what I've done to what we've done today in our American cultural Christianity is we've redefined the word of God to agree with our personal choices instead of making our personal choices agree with the word of God. And we've traded off God's word for our choices. And God's trying to show us, hey, there's a difference between good and evil. There's a difference. And you're going to have to choose. And it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's sexual freedom, homosexuality, sex outside the marriage, lying, stealing, cheating, uh, whatever. Pick your poison. God's saying, hey, this is wrong. This is right. And so what I, I try to approach everything like a parent, especially in the church. Listen, if I had a child that came to me and said, hey, I'm gay, I'm living the gay lifestyle. Um, how would I handle that in my home? How would you handle that in your home? Uh, um, how would I handle someone like that, anybody, in my home? First of all, I would say to my child, I love you. You're my child. I love you. That doesn't change the fact. It doesn't change the way I feel about you. I still love you. You're my child. You're my daughter. You're my son. You're my whatever. And, and that never changes the way I feel about you. I don't care what choices you make. It never changes the way I feel about you. I will always love you. I will never not love you. I always care for you. You're always welcome. But you have to understand, my child, that my relationship with you is not as important as my relationship with God. And my relationship with God is number one. My relationship with God is number one over my relationship with my wife and with my kids and everybody else. So even though I love you, my child, I can't agree or affirm your lifestyle. 
and I will never alienate you. I will never kick you out of the house. I may be disappointed for a season, but I'm going to love you through this. I'm going to love you. Uh, but you can't bring that lifestyle into our home. Uh, you can't bring whatever it is into that home because in my home, we're going to put God from after me in my house. Everything that goes on in this house, we're going to serve the Lord. And you just need to understand that, my child. <laughs> And it's the same way in the church. I need you to understand this today. If you say, well, I've made this choice, Pastor. I've been making this choice. I've been doing this. Uh, uh, listen, I, uh, listen, it doesn't matter what it is. Lying, stealing, cheating, gay style, life, homosexual lifestyle, having sex outside the marriage. It doesn't matter. It's never going to change the fact that we love you and we care deeply about you. And, and we value you as much as any other person that's maybe doing really well, you know, that's not making bad choices. We value. But listen, as a church, we're not going to change our opinion or our stance uh, in this church about whatever it is you want to make because you've made that choice. We're going to stand on the truth of God. God's word. Amen? Or oh me? <laughs> We're not going to redefine the word of God to agree with your personal choices. We're not going we're, we're to redefine same-sex marriage and all that like some churches are doing. We're not going to put that in a gray area. We're not going to do that. We're going to stand. Everybody makes choices. We all choose good or evil. And we, we just don't know in this world, when we're, before we come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, we don't, we don't know what good or evil is unless we find out from the Bible. And as Christians, we use this as our barometer. This is the lens that we look through to decide what's good and evil. We don't look through all the other truths. We don't look through the truths that the world uses. This is our barometer right here. And a lot of people, that sits hard with a lot of people because, they, first of all, you have to accept that this is the absolute truth. You know, you have to swallow that pill first. And that's what we believe, that this is, this is the word of God and this is God's truth. And this is our barometer. Uh, and so we don't just, you know, unless you find out from the Bible, we don't know what right and wrong is. We need to read the Bible and it'll tell us this is good, this is evil. It's very clear. So when something's evil, we can't change what's evil and make it good. Or we're saying, God, you don't know what you're talking about. And I'm never, I don't want to put myself in a position to say, you know what, God, I know better than you. You don't know what you're talking about. And so we're going to talk about these subjects just to, just to, just to bring in some definition. Let's talk about abortion. That's a decisive subject, especially in our culture, abortion. Um, so many people in the world, they want abortions. We want abortions. We want abortions. When they appoint someone to the same Supreme Court, it's not about whether they know the law or whether they got integrity or anything. It's all about abortions. It's about abortions, about abortions. We've got movie stars. We've got singers. We've got governors. We've got politicians. Uh, we're, the nation's divided over abortion. Everybody argues and believes in a woman's right to choose. And I'm not being mean about this, but, but it's not, not that we as Christians, especially myself, I'm speaking for myself, it's not that I don't believe in a woman's right to choose. I just don't believe in a woman's right to murder. Well, pastor, how dare you say that? That's pretty hard. What are you talking about? Well, if it's a baby and it's got a heartbeat and you kill it, that's murder. It's not called a choice. 
Listen, if you want want the right to choose, choose good over evil. Choose not to have sex outside the boundaries of marriage and and without a healthy boundaries of marriage. Make that choice early on in your years that I'm not going to have sex outside the marriage. Murder is evil in the Bible. Are you hearing this? It's the difference between good and evil. And so what happens now? I mean, the women's rights movements, it's, it's, it's evil to keep a woman from having an abortion, you know, you just, you know, and I know there's some situations, rape and incest, stuff like that. I, I know, I, get, I understand that. I'm talking about generally speaking, I, I'm not talking about those extreme cases. You know, there's pro-life people and, and you pro-life people are all evil. You know, we hear this all the time. And so listen, we can't call good evil and evil good. At some point, you've got to make a decision. You've got to choose between good and evil. Just because your beliefs, you don't, you don't change. You don't flip it and muddy the waters and make it a gray area. You've got to choose between good and evil. And, and when, when I'm following the Lord, that's a choice. And it's a not a popular choice, and it's not an easy choice. And as we get closer to the return of Jesus Christ, less and less and less people are going to believe that good is good. And evil is evil. For two decades, the waters have been being muddied, and and we've been over. And we're they're they're trying to legislate evil into good, and they're trying to legislate good into evil. And the waters, nobody knows what to believe anymore. And so, so uh, let me ask you a question. Let me let me just: Do you have enough courage? to choose the difficult and unpopular road. As a Christian, as you say, I'm a Christian, I, I, I believe in Jesus Christ, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. Do you have the courage to choose right now, today, do you have the courage to choose what's hard and unpopular? That's the first step. Having the courage to choose, you've got to understand it's, it, it's, it's tough. It's not popular to choose good over evil. Number two, This is a tough one too. You have to deal with the idols that are in your own heart. You have to deal with the idols that are in your own heart. If you're going to be able to choose good over evil and you're going to have to make decisions, if you're going to discern, if you're going to have discernment, you're going to have to to deal with the idols in your own heart. (laughs) Most of us don't even know there's idols there until we come close to Jesus. We can identify idols in other people's hearts, but it's hard for us to see our own idols. We can identify them and pee other people all day long. Let me explain what an idol is to help you out with this. An idol can be defined as anything that we put before God. Anything in our hearts that we put before God. Anything we put before God. Any choices that we make in life that, that, that would undermine God's will for our life can, is an idol. An idol is anything that we draw strength from. Okay, I talked about this morning. I can talk about my own addictions. I had an alcohol addiction for a lot of years. And, and I, I, I've heard all the arguments about, you know, well, the, the Bible doesn't say anything about drinking all that. I, listen, that's not what it's about. Alcohol was an idol in my life, in my life. I'm not putting my own convictions on you. I'm just saying where I was. Uh, I drew strength from that. You understand what I'm saying? I, I drew strength from that. I turned to that for comfort and strength. And that was an idol in my life. And so uh, it, an idol is, can be anything that you draw strength from and give more attention to it than you do God. 
I mean, it can be TV, it can be social media, it can be Facebook. Idols can be anything, uh, anything that you put above God. It can be relationships, it can be money, it can be your career, it can be your children. It can be your parents, children, it can be your parents. It can be family, it can be careers, it can be, it can be professional sports and, uh, you know, and, you know you're skipping out everything on the God to focus on professional sports. It can be softball, it can be uh, extra cricket activities, it can be hunting, it can be shooting, it can be all kinds of things. I had so many idols, I'm going down my list. It could be any of those things that we put above what God will, God's will is for our life. I mean, I'll just tell you, man, there was a time in my life when the Dallas Cowboys, if they would lose, it would affect me for three days. I'd be mad. I'd be mad at the world for three days. It affected me because it was an idol. And what happens is, is we don't usually discover these idols until we come to Jesus Christ. And then what happens is we come to Jesus Christ and we're getting discipled and we're starting to learn. And then somebody points out, a pastor or a leader or somebody points out and says, hey, this is wrong in your heart, man. This is, your, this is, this is wrong. And what usually happens is uh, when somebody points out something that's wrong in our heart, what do we do? We get offended. That pastor offended me. I can't believe he said that to me. Mm, I make my own decisions. And what does he tell me what to do? We get offended. Thank God Jesus told us what to do. This happened in the time of Jesus too. And, and Jesus taught me, taught us how to deal with this. It's an interesting because when Jesus was on earth, what would, I always say, what would Jesus do? I, you know, I always look to Jesus. Jesus would go and preach. This is what he would do. I'll sum it up for you. Jesus would preach and, and he would perform these miracles. Somebody would get healed or something like that in one of his meetings. And, and, and then everybody would get excited and thousands of people would get excited. And they would come around and they were like, woohoo, woohoo, Jesus, Jesus, let's get miracles from Jesus. We want miracles from Jesus. And they would gather around in flocks. And there would be so many people that Jesus would have to get out of the city. So he would go into the desert and, and they would get out into the desert. And then they would realize, hey, we're hungry. So Jesus would feed them. Jesus would feed them fish and chips. Fish and bread, whatever, but it was fish and chips. We're going to go with that, okay? And, and he would even multiply the fish and chips by the thousands, and he would feed thousands of people, and he would feed people. And, and, now, and then when they got through eating, then Jesus would start walking to the next place, and he would be walking down the road, and he's going to another town, and there's thousands of people following him, and they're following him and, and because, hey, Jesus is the source. There's fish and chips. Follow Jesus. He's got fish and chips for everybody. Fish and chips, fish and chips. And then... Jesus turns to him in John chapter 6 and says this. You're following me because of the fish and chips. That's my paraphrase. You're following me because of the fish and chips. You're following me because of the blessings I give you and the miracles I just performed, Jesus said. But you need to check your heart. If you want to be my disciple... You've got to be willing to forsake your mother and your father and your brother and your sister and your husband and your wife and your children and your careers and your jobs and all your playthings and your materialistic things and your extracurricular activities if you want to be my disciple. Not exactly a crowd-building message, is it? <laughs> it was a, Jesus was thinning out the crowd. Jesus was trying to get, the heart, get to the heart of who's really serious about this thing. Are you following me for the blessings? And as soon as the blessing stops, you're out? That's what Jesus was trying to find out. It's not that all those extra things, moms and dads and kids, it's not that 
that's not a good thing. He just don't want you to put those things before him. And so you, you, you know what the people did? They stopped following Jesus. They stopped following him. There, weren't, there, there, there were so many things that Jesus, that they weren't willing to give up. And it's idols in the heart. It's idols. It's idols. It, we put in this, we're putting this thing before you. We're putting whatever it is before you. And the people said, this is too hard. We can't do this anymore. We don't want to do this anymore. This offends me. We don't want to give this up. We don't want to give that up. That's why I tell you with all the love in me that you can come to the house of God and you can raise your hands and you can worship him loudly and you can still have stumbling blocks of iniquity in your heart. And only by turning from those idols wholeheartedly through repentance can you then hear the true word of God and receive clear divine direction. When you repent, the first thing that returns to you is discernment so that you can know what's good and what's evil. And the Father will begin to, you, 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 when you begin to repent, you'll start leaving that sin and those idols behind and you'll begin to hear the voice of the Father and it'll become even more clear to you and it'll be even come more louder to you because you're repenting. Repentance is the heart of the Father. And I believe God's calling the churches back to replace of repentance in these days, man. Especially the, he's, because he's going to put his hand upon those people that are willing to repent. And the great challenges for the churches all across America right now, right now is will we preach the word of God in the midst of what's unpopular? Will we preach the word of God and stand on God's truth even though it's unpopular? That's the challenges right now. Will we say what the word says? And these issues that we're talking about today, that, that I'm throwing out there today, these of all, you know, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of, uh, they're not being talked about in a lot of churches. And, and, and I'm not throwing stones, I'm just saying, they're not being, uh, because a lot of pastors, I, I talk to pastors, they'll believe that if they preach this stuff, people won't come back. People will get offended. This offends people. This makes people, uh, you know, uh, so they keep all that. So that what they do in their messages, they keep everything edifying and everything encouraging, everything uplifting. And, and so people are coming to church for the fish and chips. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? Am I making sense? People are just coming for fish and chips. And so for a couple of decades now, what men, uh, what we have is men that have stood behind pulpits and, and they've tickled the ears of people and they've kept it edifying and they've kept it encouraging. And the Bible says in Matthew seven fifteen that beware of the false prophets who come in disguise as harmless sheep, but they, they are really vicious wolves. So what is a false prophet? Is that somebody in the Bible that told the prophecy or what is that? Just, you know, we try to limit false prophets in just to the Bible and biblical characters, but false prophets can be politicians. False prophets can be movie stars. They can be popular singers. False prophets can be professional athletes that's going to tickle your ears and lead you into evil instead of good. They're going to live a lifestyle and they're going, to, they're going to put forth things to you and they're going to say things to you and it's going to make it sound like this is the way to go. This is the way to do. It's the easy path. It's the popular path. It's the path that everybody's going. It's the path that everyone, everybody else is doing. There's all kinds of false prophets 
right now on social media, everywhere you look, and they're false prophets. And even preachers can be false prophets. And so what does God say about prophecy and, and, and people that use, that give wrong prophecy? This is in Ezekiel 14, if you want to follow along. God is speaking to the prophet Ezekiel. So in other words, here, here, you got to understand the tone here. God is speaking to Ezekiel about the people of Israel. So understand the context here. And, and so God says, some of the leaders of, Ezekiel says, God, some of the leaders of Israel visited me. And while they were sitting with me, this message came to me from the Lord. So God says to Ezekiel, son of man, these leaders have set up idols in their hearts. These people have set up idols in their hearts. They have embraced things that make them fall into sin. What are you embracing? Who are you embracing that's making you fall into sin? God says, why should I listen to their prayer requests? Tell them this is what the sovereign Lord says. Pay, pay, pay close attention right here. Tell them what the sovereign Lord says. The people of Israel have set up idols in their hearts and fallen into sin. And then they go to the prophet asking for a message. So I, the Lord, will give them the kind of answer their great idolatry deserves. I will do this to capture their minds and their hearts of all the people who have, tur who have turned from me to worship me, to, to worship their detestable idols. Now, here's what it says in a nutshell. Let me break this down for you. God is saying, I will put it in the mouth of the prophet to say things that speak to the idols of people's hearts. There's going to be people that are going to speak to your idols and they're going, to, they're going to edify your idols and they're going to glorify your idols. He says, I'm going to speak to these false prophets and I'm going to, I'm going to put it on their hearts to speak to them. To, I'm going to tell them through the false prophets what they want to hear. But then he says, and then afterwards, I'm going to judge the judge. I'm going to judge the prophet and I'm going to judge the people. That's what the word of the Lord says. And I, just, I say all that to say this. There is no prophet out there that's going to be able to do some kind of lottery ticket magic to help you get your life right, um, to get you out of a mess. You know what I'm saying? You made wrong decisions. No prophet's going to come and, and prophesy and get you out of that mess. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, preach the word and be prepared in season and out of season. Correct. Everybody say correct. correct. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. We all need encouragement, and we all, we, believe me, we all need encouragement in these days. Man, we, we need some encouragement, especially for the six months we've been through. You know, everybody needs encouragement, but we also need correction, and we need rebuke. With great patience and careful instructions, for the time will come, listen to this, when the people will put up that's not what it says. Y'all watching the word of God? The time will come when the people will not put up with sound doctrine. We're in that time. We're in that time. And nobody wants to hear sound doctrine anymore. Nobody wants to hear sound doctrine. And it, the Bible goes on to say, instead, to suit their own desires, in other words, to play into the idols of their heart, they will gather around in great numbers to hear teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And they will turn away from the truth and turn aside to myths. 
This is dangerous preaching here. We as a church, we've got to be more discerning in these last days. So here's what I'm saying. As we go through the world, you're going to have things in your heart. I did. We all do. I still do. I still battle this. It's going to be very easy for you to go to a place, migrate to a church, migrate to a place, because you're going to want a preacher to preach so that you can feel good about yourself. I hope I'm making you feel good. I don't know if I am or not, but I'm giving you the truth. <laughs> because I'm going to challenge you to deal with things in your heart. I want you to move forward. I want you to get better. But the temptation is for people to go, go where people just tell them what they want to hear. People don't want to listen to sound doctrine. People don't want to be corrected anymore in our society. They don't want to be rebuked. If they do, you offend them. We're so easily offended in our culture today easily offended i mean we get offended on the color of hair you know whatever it is it's just the only way you're really going to deal with the stuff in your heart is through repentance and correction you know hearing what i'm saying there's no easy road there's no easy road there ain't no prophet that's going to prophesy something for you to get out of your mess a true prophet is going to say repent that's what a true prophet's going to say repent and get your heart right and come back to the kingdom of God. You can't, you can even make grace an idol. People make grace an idol right now in their church. And they, they, they say things like, well, you don't, you, you don't want, people don't want teachings that correct them. They want grace because, uh, you know, uh, grace, oh, that just covers all my sins. You know, we can do whatever we want. We got grace, 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 grace. Why is this the person that seeks correction is what the Bible says, but the fool despises it? And rages against all wise judgments. If you're going to be a discerning follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to have to watch out who and what you listen to in these last days. You can't just listen to every wind of doctrine that's out there throughout the land and throughout social media. As soon as you hear manipulation, you better be able to discern it. Some of my prayers, even this morning, go like this. It's like, Lord... Search my heart. If there's any idols in my heart, if there's anything that I'm unaware of, God, if there's anything on the inside of me that's drawing me away from you and drawing me away from the truth, would you show me this? Because I need to deal with the idols in my heart. I pray those prayers. Um, so that brings us to number three, and I'll, I'll be done. Are y'all all right out there? Just wave at me kind of, maybe show y'all got a pulse, Okay. Some of y'all are frozen in your tracks. I know this is hard preaching. I know it's tough preaching, but uh, the truth will set you free. Amen? That's what the Bible says. Number three, you have to choose between God's will and your will. If you're going to discern good and evil, you're going to have to choose God's will over your will. And, and it's very straightforward, and, but it's the most difficult thing to do. It's difficult. It's hard. There's nothing more difficult in Christianity than choosing God's will over your will. Let me tell you why. Because before you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your whole life has been developed by your will. Everything in your life has been about your will. Um, you, your will has had supreme authority in your life. Your will has governed your decisions. It has guided you. It has made decisions for you. It has made choices for you, your will. And then when you come to, the, come to Jesus Christ and you come to the cross of Jesus Christ and you experience Jesus Christ, all of a sudden, this is where your will crosses with Christ, Jesus Christ's will or God's will. And you have to make a decision about it. You have to make a choice about it. 
Am I going to go with God's will or am I going to go with my will? And it's a choice we have to make. And, and, and you've, but it's hard because you've been doing it for so long. You've been going down that road for so long. It's hard to change directions. It's hard. Changing directions is, goes back to my opening statement. Changing directions is repentance. Turning in 180 degrees. I'm no longer chasing my will. I'm no longer going down the road of my will. I'm going after God's will. It's repentance. And it's hard to start listening to God. It's hard to start hearing things that you don't want to hear, like I'm doing today. It's hard. Those things, you know, going against things that you don't want to do and changing lifestyle patterns, those things are hard. But it's a decision we have to make. You've been doing things your own way for so long, for so long, following your own will. Now we're asking you to change. God's asking you to change. That's why it's so important to make sure your children make decisions early on. In, 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 in children's church, we have children's church. That's why we throw so much money at having children's church and do it, try to do it so well. And children's ministries and youth ministries, because it's so important that your kids grab a hold of the truth of God at an early age so they don't have to go down this road for 20 years and then have to change directions. That's why I preached last week that statistically, uh, uh, after the age of 18, your kids has a, has a 6% chance of turning around and coming to Jesus Christ. Don't let your kid be a statistic. Pour yourself into them. You know, this is the unpopular parent. Make them come to youth. Make them come to children's church. They don't, it's not, it wasn't ever a choice in my, my, my kids. We don't have, it's not, church is not a choice. It, this is a life-changing uh, thing that we're doing. This is what you're going to do. This is, this is going to impact the rest of your life. Your decision to follow Jesus Christ, your, your attitude toward Jesus Christ, this is going to be with you for the rest of your life. Sports isn't going to be for you the rest. School is not going to be for you the rest rest of your life. Your life, eternity, and your decisions about eternity are going to be with you for eternity. Are y'all hearing me? It's so important to, to build that into your kids at an early age, but it's not natural to go God's way, but it's a choice between life and death. And if you think about it from the beginning of time, and I'm going to wrap this up. I got about two more scriptures. Y'all with me still? God puts mankind in the garden, in the garden, Adam and Eve. He puts them in the garden, beginning of time. And he says to them, everything you see in this garden is good. Everything is good. It's good food to eat. No cholesterol, no sugar, no fats, no preservatives, nothing. It's good for you. Eat it all. It's vegetables, it's fruits, it's animals, you know, it's good stuff to eat. And God says, eat anything you want. Take as much as you want. Tend to the garden. And God says, there's only one thing. You see that tree over there? I was looking to see how many of you looked over there. They did this morning. I went like that and they all went to look at the tree. You see that tree over there? God says, don't touch that tree. That is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and, and because God knew once they tasted that tree, once they took fruit from that tree, that all of a sudden they would know what evil is. And he knew that once they knew what evil is, that, that they would go that direction. Because you know why? Because it was tempting. 
and it was tantalizing, and it was flesh-oriented. It was appealing to their flesh. It was easy. It was popular. It felt good. It made them feel better. It was easy. They knew. God says, once they taste that tree, he knew that it was going to be bad for them. And evil will always draw you away from God. And it'll always make you feel bad about yourselves. And God said, I don't want you to eat from that tree. It's not that I don't want you to have the fruit. I just don't want you to have this knowledge of evil and of good. And of course, what happens? Satan immediately goes to Eve and says, I don't know why he went to Eve first. I, you know, I don't know why he went to go to the dude first, but he went to Eve first. I don't know. Um, but anyway, he said, um, Eve, has, has God really said that? Has God really said that? That's part of our identity class, uh, our moving forward classes. We talk about identity because it's not that God tries to steal your identity. What God, what, what God, Satan doesn't try to steal your identity as much as Satan tries to get you to agree with his lies. That's six o'clock tonight. If you want, to, if you want to be a part of that class, Satan comes to Eve and says, "Did God really say that?" You're going to have to wrestle with that question for the rest of your life as a follower of Jesus Christ. You're going to have to wrestle with that question on a daily basis. Has God really said that? Did, did God really say not to have sex before marriage? Did God really say that I need to tithe? Did God really say that you shouldn't have abortions and abortions evil? Did God really say that? Has God really said that? And of course, Eve listened, and she convinced Adam to follow her, and they partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Satan told them, you know, if you eat that fruit, you're going to be like God. You can be like God. They wanted to be like God. In this information age that we live in right now, you can gather information at the drop of a hat. We want to, that's, our Google is that's, that's our tree of knowledge of good and evil. And, and, and you know, it, it's like anything you need to know at the drop of a hat. We go to Google and we can know all that we need to know. We almost become like God. We think we know it all because of Google. Google, you can find out anything you want to be, anything you want to know about anybody practically. If you have a name at all, you can find out something about somebody. You can go Google me, and if you do, you can Google my name. Be careful, because there is a Robert E. Kirby, and he's dead. And he has an obituary out there, and that'll come up. He lives in New York. <laughs> so don't get him confused. That's not my. That's not me. But anyway, Eve made a choice. Adam made a choice. Everybody say choices. It comes down to choices. Their eyes were opened, sin came into the world, sin passed down, and this is an important key right here. Sin, when they made that choice to choose the evil and eat of the tree and disobey God, sin was passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation to generation, and, and now here we are thousands and thousands of years on the other side of that decision that they made. And people's will have been given over to sin for thousands of years. And here we are today, and now we come in contact with, with God. You come in contact in this church. I, I believe it's a, a divine appointment that you're here today. I don't believe that you stumbled in here. I don't believe that you. it's an accident. I believe in divine appointments. You come in contact with God. And now my will that I've yielded to for so many years and it's going to be difficult because this is what the Bible says. 
The Bible says, remember, I read to you it early on. I said, few will enter in. The gate into the kingdom is narrow. Few will enter in, and it's going to be difficult. That road is difficult. That's what the Bible says. So the Israelites, they're going through the desert, and God sends the message to the prophet of, uh, of Moses. Listen to this as I culminate all of this. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. I'm going to read this scripture. Matter of fact, if the music, if you guys want to come, just start playing lightly. Listen to the scripture. There's a lot, I'm going to read a lot of scripture right here. This is what Moses said. This is what God said to, through the prophet Moses. He said, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. In that command, and I command you today to love the Lord your God and walk in his way and keep his commandments, his statutes, his judgments, that you may live and multiply. And that your Lord God will bless you in the land which you go possess. Put yourself in this scripture. Put yourself in this scripture. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and you're drawn away and you worship other gods, you worship idols, you have idols in your heart and you serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. Does that mean you're going to die today? No, that means you're probably alive. That could mean a lot of things, but you're not going to have a longevity of life. It may not, means maybe, you're, maybe you won't live out your years. I don't know what that means, but it says surely you'll perish. I, I want to live all the days God has for me. I want to live to be 120. I, I want to live. They live to be 900 in the Bible. I want to live a lot of years. He goes on to say, you, have, you shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over in the Jordan to go possess. Now listen, it's going to get even deeper. And then he makes this really powerful statement. God says, I call heaven and earth, I'm calling all of heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death. In other words, what that's saying, what that, the interpretation is, God is saying, I'm calling all the heavens and all the earth to make this statement, what I'm about to make. I'm about to say this, and I want everybody to hear this. Nobody's exempt from this. This is how powerful this statement is. This is, he, he, he's, God, he's trying to emphasize this prophetically, God is, and he's, this is how powerful it is. All the heavens and the earth have to understand that this statement that I'm about to say in the scriptures, this principle has been set forth from the beginning of time, since the days of Moses. God says, I set this forth from the foundations of the earth. We didn't do away with it. It still affects you today. That's what it says. That's what it means. Here's the principle. God says, I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Blessings and cursing. You could say good and evil. Therefore, in case you haven't been paying close attention, in case you haven't heard anything I've said up to this day, God says this, two words in the Bible. He said, choose life. Everybody say, choose life. In other words, make the right choice. Why? Why, pastor? Why can't I go be, make my own decisions? Why can't I go ahead with my lifestyle? Why can't I just be myself? Why can't I just do the things that I've been doing? Choose life today. You know why? 
The Bible says that both you and your descendants may live. The decisions you make today, the choosing life, it affects your kids. It affects your grandkids. It affects their kids. It affects their grandkids. It'll affect you. It'll affect you for generations to come. It says it'll affect your descendants. That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is life. Watch this, I love this. And the length of your days that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham and Isaac, I give to you. So he's going to lengthen your days. Choosing life not only lengthens your days, it, it benefits your children, it benefits their grandchildren, it benefits decades to come, your descendants. All right, so let me ask you a question. And I'm going to close with this statement. And we're going to pray and we're going to receive, and I want, but I want to ask you a question. If you look at your life right now, right now, outside of the church, your jobs, your careers, everything you're doing outside of this building right here, are you choosing death or are you choosing evil? Which one are you doing? What's, what are the choices you're making? The election's coming up. This is not about two men. This is not about two uh, political platforms. Very simply, this election is about good versus evil. When you vote, I'm not telling you how to vote, but when you vote, you're voting for or against abortions. You're voting for or against your second amendments. You're voting for or against the life of your children as they know it right now. You're voting for or against socialism. I don't care if the whole world's seeing me on live right now. This is what you're voting for. You're voting for or against evil. That's what you're voting for. It's not about the platform. I, listen, neither one of those guys are morally right, man. Listen, they, <laughs> none of the above is what we choose, right? But we've got to choose. We've got to make a choice. It's life or death, good versus evil. I, we, ain't, we ain't voting for these guys to be our pastors, okay? <laughs> but we got to choose life or death, good or evil. And so I don't, I don't care about your views right now. I'm asking, you, I'm asking you to see what the Bible says about what these guys believe and what their platforms are and what they stand for against. You're voting against, I mean, it's going to revolutionize the church. You're voting against churches being open, churches being closed. They've already demonstrated. They, they've tested the waters during COVID. They're still doing it. They're shutting them down. You're choosing good versus evil. That's what you're choosing, folks. And that's what God's saying. I, I'm asking you to filter everything those men believe through the word of God. None of them's gonna be perfect. There is no perfect. I'm politicked. <laughs> and so, but I'm gonna vote and I'm gonna choose and I'm gonna vote according to the word of God. And God's saying, if you choose, listen, God said, I read you the scripture in Deuteronomy. God says, if you choose life, I will be with you. 
I will be with your nation. I will be, my hand will be upon you. I will bless you. I will bless your family. I will bless your descendants. I will play, and it will, and God even says it'll be very obvious. I will bless you. I will be with you. But it's not an easy choice. It's not an easy choice. A lot of people are choosing the easy choices, the easy platforms, free handouts, free things, free do. Free, most people are choosing death. Listen to me. If you know anything about socialism, you know that it's, it crumbles within 10 years. You don't want socialism, young people, millennials. You don't want, it'll, it'll crumble a nation within 10 years. Go look at history. Go look for it. Go look it up. Do your research. Go look at the countries that's tried socialism. You know why they want socialism? You know why people with socialism? Which camera am I on right now? You know why people want socialism? Because it's easy. It's the popular road. That's why they want it. Choose good versus evil. One of them's easy. One of them's popular. One of them's hard and unpopular. I'm asking you today to make a choice, folks, about not only your life, your well-being, your family's well-being, your descendants, your kids, your life. Which one are you going to choose, good or death, good or evil? Life or death, good or evil? And this gets me to thinking, is it possible that God is calling us today to make these choices? God calls us to make these choices. And so we got to determine, we got to know that this, this impacts our future in terms of everything that's going to happen after today. You have a chance to rewrite your story today. Today, by the choices you make. By the choices you make here in a minute, you'll rewrite your story. Did you know that? That's what this church is all, we're always about. We want you to rewrite your story. doesn't matter what happened yesterday. What matters is what's going to happen from this day forward. You can rewrite your history. You can rewrite your story. You can rewrite your kid's story right now. The problem is some people never bring a lot of, a lot, in churches, there's a lot of good churches out there, a lot of good pastors that I get mentored by, but a lot of churches, a lot of people, they don't bring, bring people to a place they got to make a choice. But I'm going to make you make a choice today. 